Fucking Wife, Happy Life listeners. I'm so excited to be back with another episode. And we have a few more episodes to round out this bananas year of 2020, which is when we started the podcast. And despite all of these ups and downs, I want to thank you so much for being part of this journey and this community. Today, I sat down with the incredibly insightful, inspiring, and take no bullshit, Emma Johnson. Emma is the founder of Wealthy Single Mommy, which aims to close the pay gap by helping single moms build family, career, money, and dating. Emma promised herself she wouldn't be a single mom, and guess what? Life turns out a little differently than we all expect. So how do you turn surprise into success? What are the best first steps you can take when facing a divorce? Why is equal parenting so important in most cases? Tune into this episode to hear Emma's brilliant and inspirational take on her journey, her vast level of knowledge and research on the topic, and her perpetual support of the incredible strength, resilience, and opportunity of single moms. I was so inspired, and I know you will be too. So here is my conversation with Emma Johnson. When it goes, I miss the way we were young and insecure. Johnson, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on Working Wife, Happy Life. <laughs> so good to be here. Thanks, Bethany. <laughs> uh, my listeners know I joke about that all the time because a lot of times I have women on who are not working or who are not wives or who are not happy. And it's just, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. It's not a thing. <laughs> no, it's, there's all the irony and history all loaded into it. We get it. It's very, yeah. it's very clever. It's, I think it's great. Well, thank you so much. We were introduced through Stacy Francis, who um, is just such a tremendous uh, connector and women empower empowerer. Uh, she's spoken with our community at Google. She's spoken on this podcast before, um, and I just love the way all these connections happen throughout uh, our community. So, yeah. Um, and I would love if you would share with our listeners a little bit about your platform um, and the work that you do and and what is behind uh, Wealthy Single Mommy. Uh, sure. So Wealthy Single Mommy is, I say it's a blog. It's really grown into a large digital platform and digital business. But it's at its roots, it was me becoming a single mom, having been raised by a single mom as a ambitious, professional, feminist, and having a very exciting time of it, um, but felt like I was navigating sort of new waters uh, because I was raised by a single mom in another generation. And and also of this time that's accelerating so quickly, right? So I was born, I, I'm 44 years old, so you can do the math. Oh, me and too. So, okay. I think I figured, <laughs> I looked at your bio and, you know, did the, when did she graduate college? I, I, yeah. I, I figured out you were at the same age, Bob. Yeah. And so that was, you know, that was the surge, right? I was of that generation of that surge of divorces and my parents mm-hmm. were very much of that time. And so that was very much a big part of my experience growing up. And here, you know, I swore to God I was not going to be a single mom. I was going to do it the right way. And, and I did. And I married the nice guy and I bought the real estate and had the wedding and then get the, had the baby. I like, did everything you're supposed to do. And then what do you know? I became a single mom very early on. 
Uh, and I just swore I was going to write a different story than my mom's, which mm -hmm. in my mom's story, she's an educated, professional, white woman. We were in a small town in the Midwest, but, and I was, I live in New York City, but, you know, she was always poor. And the narrative was always like, life is so hard because I'm a single mom. Mm -hmm. And I bought into that. I bought into that all the way until the point I became a single mom. And I, and then I decided there's going to be a different story and mm. it was a different time. And I was in a different place and I have, you know, a skill set that allows me to be financially independent. And I was on this very exciting journey and having fascinating conversations with my girlfriends that were also single moms or married mom. It was just this moment that we are still very much even more in today. That was 12 years ago. Well, it was just all about gender and money and business and politics and sex and all of these things that I was just living in my everyday life while raising two tiny babies. So I just started writing the content that I could not find. I, and to this mm -hmm. day, I'm not seeing enough content out there. There is an insatiable thirst for this conversation about women thriving while raising healthy children and forging a new definition of a happy family. And we are in the middle of it. You know, there's no yep. clear answers for what this looks like, but it is such an important critical conversation. So that's all that's the background of it. Just quick snapshot. I'm I'm a writer by profession and I started my career in community journalism and found my way to New York where I was at the Associated Press and made my living as a freelance writer for many years at, into my single motherhood. And then I started this blog. It's just this little blog on WordPress, myself staying up late, you know, when my babies were in bed and it just immediate picked, immediately picked up. It, it, it was immediately picked up in media and people just loved it. And it just got shared around and lots of arguments and conversations on social media. And I just knew there was something special there. And I really didn't know what it was. And I just kept doing it. It just fed my soul and it fed all the things that was going on with me personally and professionally. And after a few years, it started to make kind of started to make money on its own. And fast forward to today, it's a, it's a sizable business and it's, um, it's very exciting. So it's over time. I've had podcasts. I've written a few books. Um, I'm, you know, do a lot of media work and public speaking. But the uh, the gist of it is always around financial independence and women, mm -hmm. and it's really about gender equality. And I really believe that looking at single mothers, if we can have a conversation and figure out some actual policy cultural norms, different messaging to single mothers, we will close the pay gap. Mm. We will close the pay gap. And that's what I'm hoping we talk to about a lot right now today, because, yeah. because the, the majority of the conversation in this country and in the world is very much still what my mom received the same messages, which is, oh, you're becoming a single mom. You're getting a maybe you're getting divorced, which that's not even the norm anymore. I'm happy to talk about that. It's a very important uh, that divorce is not the majority of single uh, parent stories. But uh, okay, you're getting divorced. Lawyer up, fight. You got to fight, 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 fight. Take him for all he's worth. You keep the kids. You keep the house. You get his money. Punish him because who cares, right? Because mm -hmm. somebody cheated, because you got your feelings hurt, because somebody didn't help enough with the kid, whatever. You punish somebody because your feelings are hurt, essentially. And what happens is we are perpetuating this narrative that women are the caretakers and keep the kids. Mm -hmm. And the best that we can do as women is be financially dependent on men. 
which mm-hmm. is why I'm so in love mm. with what you're doing. I'm so happy to be here because you're just, like, I don't have to explain to anybody listening to this why that's a bunch of baloney. Um, we're over that. And most women are not over it. They're either not over it in their actual earning and their actual family or emotionally, mentally, spiritually, they're not over it. But it is out here. It is out there. And collectively, we have to make a decision that we have to stop that narrative because yes. we're never going to close that pay gap if we're going or any gap or the wealth gap or the leadership gap or Washington gaps, whatever. Those gaps are never going to close. If we keep telling women the best that they can do is to take him for all he's worth and keep the kids. Girl, if I didn't have wires all around me right now, I would stand up and give you a clap, but I know I will break something. So I'm just going to give you an amen to everything you just covered because you covered the stigmas surrounding single mothers. You covered the the martyrdom that comes mm. with that. Of like now I have to bear all these burdens and I still can't have my own life and freedom and independence and passion back. Um, you covered the critical aspect of a lot of women choosing to become single mothers, right? So this is actually Mm -hmm. a relatively new phenomenon in some scenarios where um, I have several friends, maybe this is just my own bubble, but several friends who are embarking on this um, space in their own because they haven't found a lifelong partner and they want to become mothers. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have all of those things carried into, uh, as well as the women whose whose partnerships are dissolving or who never entered into a marriage. Um, And so- what you do is you have a lot of single parenting going on, but the default is that there's the single mom shame versus like, you know, men just get to walk out the door and start a new life and everything's fine for them. Like, that's what I grew up with. That's how mm-hmm. it was perceived in my generation. Same. I'm from uh, my parents' divorce when I was seven. Um, and, you know, it very much was, I think we had one family in my entire town that I know of where the father kept the kids. Mm, Um, And it was, it was a boom. That was when I think a lot of times they say, because a lot of women started to enter in the workforce, you did start to see an increase in divorce because now they had the means to leave unhappy unions. Um, But that was like, there was definitely the the 50% or whatever the statistics are in our town. Um, But in that, just the one family where, where the kids stayed with the dad. Right. So, I mean, there's so, it's so interesting. There's so, I mean, it's very clear the more financial autonomy women have, the less likely they are to be partners. So for example, in China, uh, in rural China, divorce is very uncommon because there's just not economic opportunities there, right? Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me, but in urban areas, women are just not getting married. They're just not getting married in urban areas because they don't have to. Right. And it's just, you know, it's really deconstruct. Really, all of this is deconstructing all of our ideas about partnership and our, you know, everybody listening, our, all of our ideas are really rooted in these Disney fairy tales, ideas of romantic love as marriage, of love marriage. And it is, you know, that is a, what, 100, 150 year old notion. Marriage has always been an economic institution, always. Mm-hmm. And it's this love marriage notion is, the idea that you get married to somebody of your choosing simply for emotional companionship because of love. It's an experiment and I would argue a very failed one, but it's so deeply rooted in our culture that that is offensive to people. I mean, I have this, I have just what I said. I'm like, is that the dumbest thing I've ever said? Cause I feel like I've said that a thousand times and it's in every it's to me that is so obvious, but it's not like I t- talking 
talk about the crown. I'm talking about the crown with my girlfriend. Okay. I'm just started binging it. Uh, so don't, I mean, I know it's factually based, but you know what the story is, right? Yeah. Like they were wanting to have, and there, everyone's like, I can't believe it. He was in love with Camilla. They wouldn't let him be. I'm like, that idea that you marry someone you love is just somebody who made that up a minute ago in history and it, it didn't work out. And okay, forgive the royal family for not jumping on board with that. Like their entire business is to perpetuate their species and we're upset with them because they didn't like buy into this experiment of love marriage. I mean, come on. Fascinating. So I would, so my immediate reaction when you said that is probably what you hear that like, no, no, but I love my husband and we, you know, yeah. very romantic. Sorry. So like, but you're not, you're not bitter. Like you're, it's not this like notion of anti-love or anti- No, like, I love that. That's the thing is that that is so much of it. It's like, well, because where are the men in this conversation about feminism? Mm-hmm. Where are they? Where there's, are we? They're they're either quietly in their homes, but there's a few that are making voices, but not no, anywhere really near care. enough. I'm not talking about where are the men themselves. I am saying where are you and the the Bethany's and the Emmas? Where are we talking about the men? Because oh, we okay. love men. I love men. I have a son who I adore. I have a boyfriend of four years who I adore. I have an ex-husband who I love in his own very special way. I'm brothers, friends. I mean, we, I love men, but we have to be able to reconcile our adoration and love and need for men. Men are, it, this is not an, a zero sum game. Right. We, right. Right. So this was, it nicely dovetails into my, my uh, soapbox, which is yes. really my life's work, which is equally shared parenting. So this really is the crux of it. So I'm going to finish out this uh, seed of an idea I planted that single mothers, I would argue, separated families. I will call them. I call them separated divorced families because the majority of six. So 67% of millennial uh, women today, millennial women, the babies, they are having children outside of marriage. So right. many of them are in a partnership. They may live with their partner, but they are not married. But there's a big delineation in the research if you look at it. It's very, very clear. If we talk about single mothers, the women who are married like me and then got divorced and the women who are never married, it is very starkly contrast by race, by uh, education, income, social class. So black people and women of color are not getting married as much. So anyways, if you're white, if you get married, you tend to be older when you have your kids, more educated, higher income. If you are not married when you have your children, uh, you tend to be a woman of color, lower education, lower income. All right. That's and then, just and then very are you clear. Ma- and then are you matrixing that with the age, right? Because you st- yes, spoke younger, about millennial yes. women. Yeah. Okay. Right. But this is, we're looking across the board at the United States. So this is quickly barreling. And it was a number of years, six, seven years ago at this point, where the uh, majority of families with children were no longer that nuclear two-parent married heterosexual mm-hmm. couple. It looks like something else. And the majority of the something else is single parent households, single mother households, which brings us into a whole nother thing. But how the census, so the census data would say, uh, you know, something like 90% of single parent homes or single mother homes with an absent father. Well, just hmm. because the so parents don't live together does not mean that dad is not involved. Right. So there is some very systematic, and if you don't have that data, you know, if we don't have this data, census data, then we are all screwed. So there's very, very systematic ideas about like, how do we get to the root of it? And it starts at these very fundamental things we take for granted, like census data. 
Right. It doesn't go very deep. I mean, when mm-hmm. I filled mine out this year, it was very, like it just wasn't asking a lot of very deep questions, which, of course, they wouldn't get as much information. But it is like it's just one piece of, of the overall picture. Mm-hmm. Right. So 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 if we get into this. Right. So we so this is a force to be reckoned with. So I lay out those numbers to say this is. You know, I, I personally, I come at this neutrally, married, divorced, single, whatever. We're not turning around this, this ship. Women are getting more and more power, and that correlates with more choices to have families and live lives independent of a romantic partner. Okay, mm-hmm. this is just happening. It's growing. What are we doing with it? And well, I would argue that we have to really be reforming policy, but the way we think about it, and like that's where the work that women like you are doing is changing the hearts and minds of people to help us start thinking about equally shared parenting, 50-50. Mm-hmm. So to this day, again, the majority of families, when they separate, they when parents separate, the kids are staying with the mom, the dads get every other weekend visits with their own children. Yep. And that is the standard. That is the cultural standard. And then most of this country, if you go to court, if a judge is going to rule it, and these judges are still mostly old white dudes who think that the babies belong with mommies and they will rule every other weekend, Friday night special, the divorce lawyers in New York call it the Friday night special. Mm. And that ultimately comes down to something like 25% of the time with the dad. Now there's a correlating thing going on here, which is just child psychology. So once, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, when people started divorcing, there was still this notion of uh, attachment parenting, which we still largely believe in. But this idea that the best interest of the child was for that child to be bonded with one person, one person, and maybe have other caring people in their lives. But those parents, those people were orbits around this one central unit, which would be a mother and a nursing child, right? right? And it's always the mom. It always comes back to it. So there is some, it's not all, I like to, because I feel like that notion is very, very, very much still very ingrained in our culture. I mean, I've had to overcome all of this. And for the record, it's only very recently that I got equally shared parenting. I got my ex to sign on just very, with the last few months. And oh, I wow. have gone through this whole journey myself. I very much bought into this idea. I was, my kids were one of them was being born when I got divorced and they were nursing and they were tiny oh, and wow. there was trauma and I wanted them with me. And I yeah. have been a stay at home mom at that time. I mean, I'm, this is a story of my own evolution that has been changed through the work that I do interacting with thousands and thousands of women and men, and also just digging into the research and what the facts say and what the science says. So while we all went into this as, you know, this notion that the kids belong with the mom and this attachment theory, which is the, the leading science at the time that has been supplanted by dozens and scores of studies that find that equally shared parenting is what is best for kids. Mm. It, it really is because what happens when we relegate men and fathers to these orbits, these ancillary people in their kids' lives, they check out. They have been told, mm. men have been told since birth that they are Homer Simpson, nice guys, but doofus dads. Moms really know mm-hmm. what's going on. Moms run the show and they their job is to go out, bring a paycheck home, have their beer and like maybe play some catch with the kid and that's enough. They're not allowed to do anything else. And then it's modeled wherever they go. If you break up with the kid's mom, you maybe get visits with your own child. 
Yeah. So why, why are we surprised when dads don't show up in equal measures or insist on more? There is not any kind of cultural messaging that tells them that they are critical and that they are competent. Right. And also the, the criticism that if you take the, the double standard, the criticism that would impact a woman who had that type of visitation schedule oh, yes. would be so outsized to, you know, well, she abandoned her children. Or um, she, or, I mean, the reality is moms who are minority caretakers, they are statistically, like they have addiction issues, mental health issues, very serious employment issues. Um, all of, right. But that doesn't mean that you're not able to take care of your kid. I mean, sometimes it does, right. but it's like, it has to be some, such an extreme thing that the children are ripped from their mother. Whereas right. the default thing is that children are ripped from their fathers. And right. it is true. If you, we are relegating men to every other weekend, they are being ripped from their, it, you cannot bond with a child on every second weekend. Yeah. Yeah, well, because you never, you never get to the tough stuff, right? Like the day, I mean, I remember growing up, like that was the hard, yes, we would go skiing with my dad. We'd do all this fun stuff on the weekends because A, he had two weeks to plan for it. And he had a week and a half that he didn't have to deal with the homework shit or any of this other stuff that's coming mm -hmm. out from the day to day. And that is, while it's a grind, it is a bonding experience. That is what parenting is. Um, and, and, and yeah, you really, you, everyone suffers in that scenario. Mm -hmm. Everyone doesn't get their, their fair share of the experiences, the bonding, the love, the, the drama, you know, all of the pieces, the responsibility, right. It is responsibility. And that's sort of the tagline of the work that I do. It's like equal rights, equal rights, equal responsibility. So mm -hmm. I hear from men and women all the time, mothers and fathers, single parents, and there there's two narratives. Like it's just, everything falls into these two narratives, which is the women. I'm still this woman complain bitterly that the dads don't show up and do their share that they, it's like a choose your own parenting adventure. Like, Okay, well, yeah, I know I'm supposed to take the kids after school on Wednesday, but like I got this thing, I'm gonna do some just I can pick them up. Like I can't just not pick right. up my kid. Like that's not <laughs> even crossed my mind, it, right. right? So it's maddening, and that affects our <laughs> mental health. Affects our ability to work and earn. It mm -hmm. affects our ability to rest, go to whatever. Doesn't matter. It's infringing on our time. You can argue time is our most precious commodity, and this dude just arbitrarily decides what's convenient for him. Right. On the other, so they're not, you know, women very, very legitimately are complaining that dads don't take their responsibility for the kids. On the other side of the equation, the dads come to me and they're like, I, she just walked out, moved across the country with the kids or even an hour away to, with the kids to move in with her boyfriend or her parents, whatever. And I have no rights. I'm just spent all the money I don't have in court and the judges don't care because I'm the dad. Mm. And he is 100% right. Both of those narratives are 100% correct. And they are both mirror opposites and two puzzle pieces that fit together absolutely perfectly. And they're both the two sides of patriarchy that are yeah. punishing both genders equally and simultaneously. So women are shoehorned by the minute we are born and then through our education and our career paths and now solidified in family court right? Married yep. people, married people don't go to family court to argue about who picks up the kids from childcare, but divorced people do. And that mm -hmm. is why you can legislate it. So, so the, so right. Women have been told this whole time right. that the kids say with it, that they are caretakers. And that is 
it's not in our DNA that we're the spirit caretakers, but it is just about as close because it is so ingrained in us. On the yeah. flip side of it, right, and that we need to sacrifice all of our earning potential for the kids. On the flip side of it, men are raised from the minute they are born to go out and be the breadwinners. That that is the primary contribution they make to their families, to themselves, to their communities, to their, their societies. And they must sacrifice all that breadwinning or they must sacrifice their fatherhood and the relationship with their kids for that. Right. In that so, vein. Yes. In that vein. And everybody suffers for that. Mm-hmm. Women, we've got, you know, you and I are working on the, on the gender gaps. Men, we are, we need to be talking about at, by every metric, men are disproportionately more likely to be uh, suffering with addiction, mental health, physical health. Women's wages are growing. Men's are stagnating. Suicide mm-hmm. rates on mm-hmm. and on and on. And that is our men and that is our sons. Yeah. Boys, there is a boy crisis and there is a wonderful book called The Boy Crisis. School shooters, 100% boys. Yeah. Terrorists, 100% boys. Ugh. Addicts, whether we're talking about video games, weed, hard drugs, boys. And disproportionately, and this is a major crisis and it is a symptom of the same thing that we are focusing on with the girls, but with a different flavor, but we're just not talking about it and we cannot afford to be doing that anymore. Well, what I love is you're drawing, like it's two sides of the same coin, so to speak, right? It's literally these, these, um, forces that keep this turning in this direction and in this way. And we are very, very vocally talking about one side Mm -hmm. without exposing the impact of the other. And so that's where I think you almost get into this friction. Like we talked earlier about, you know, we don't hate men. That's not what we're saying. We're actually saying they need to be more supported, more understood. And we need to start asking them to step up further. So we've seen for a very minor example, but I think it's impactful is with this increase in paternity leave um, Mm. that a lot of companies are adopting. Now, it's not necessarily required. It's not necessarily, you know, meant to be or always taken in like three-month increments, um, but it is getting fathers involved in that very nitty-gritty, very early on uh, childcare responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And it has to do during the time where it is – oh, hold on. I'm on my husband's computer. I don't know if you guys could hear that phone call coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you couldn't hear it good. No. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's to me, one, there's that bonding situation that's happening. Two, there's that understanding that they have of what caregiving really entails, particularly in those early days. Um, but three, it's giving them an opportunity to gain some confidence around oh, it. Oh, gosh, and to yes. have, Yeah, and to have that experience where – you know, my, my husband's a tremendous full-time father, but he wasn't raised with a father that was, I mean, his dad was present, um, but they were very traditionally, he was the breadwinner. His mom worked at the school. His mom did everything, you know? So it's like, he never had that modeled for him. It's something he's taken on. The modeling. Yes. How are we expecting, even though that is really, so, so this is, the argument for equally shared parenting one it's just fucking fair 50 50 done okay what else do i need to say well i got a lot more to say so keep listening (laughs) (laughs) just make it fair the research and this is surprising was surprising to me and there's a lot of education that needs to happen is that it really is what is best for the kids we cannot be relegating one parent 
Two, this is how we are closing the gaps, right? Women, I just did a, I just did a survey of 2,300 single moms, right? Mm. And we asked people about their uh, time-sharing arrangement. Now, these are women that followed me. This is a survey. It is not a peer-reviewed scientific study, but so these are women that already are drinking my Kool-Aid, but still of them, only 14% had 50-50 shared parenting time. And the majority, wow. but the overwhelming majority of women said they wanted 50-50, and the number one barrier to getting it is that they'd ask their uh, kids' dads and the dads didn't want it. That's now, so that's women's point. That's the women's version. We did not survey the men. Right. And, okay. I, that is, and I hope somebody follows up and does that because that is a that's part of this narrative. This was like the little seedling survey because there's nothing out there. So we were asking women about their time sharing and, we, and half of them had the kids 100% of the time. All right. And then we asked them about their income and we asked them a whole bunch of questions about their attitudes and how they feel and all these things. But there's a very, very clear picture. The more equality they had in their time sharing, the higher the income, mm. the, happier they, the happier they were and the more confident and good they felt about their being a single mom. And overall women, they wanted equal share parenting time. And they also believed that they could be making more money and growing in their careers if they had more uh, equal more equality in their parenting. I mean, right? there's no, right. Like the path is so clear. Right. And you think about so obvious, right. And it's like, obviously their earnings are going up because they're able to be more available at work because they're not getting every phone call from the school to go pick up their kids or having to usher their kids to all of the, you know, activities that happen during working hours, um, in normal non pandemic times. But also there's such a tie, particularly in Western, you know, in, in, our countries and our regions about, you know, money tying back to power, confidence, the ability to have more time because you can pay for things that you would normally have to do on your own. Um, you're Security. Probably, if yeah. you're not worried about paying the rent, what do you do with that energy? Oh, right. I, I, there's infinite amount of things you can be doing that are positive if you're not worried about being evicted. Right. And if you think about the struggles of, you know, the, going back to the stigma of the single mom, um, you know, the struggles, so many are underscored by financials, right? Because oh, everything is. Yeah. It's money. I mean, that's, but you know what, I, like if this, if we were two dudes on a podcast talking about anything, we would not have to even say, oh, money is important. Right. That is a that is a bunch of baloney that women have to get over. We're still mm -hmm. convincing ourselves that money is important to our well to everything, every single every single thing. It is yeah. important. It is our our physical health, our mental health, our position, our power in our local tiny communities, whether it's your apartment building or your kid's school, and on the macro level of global leadership, money is so critical. Dudes are completely. Yeah comfortable with that and they have it and they have right. the money and they're doing it. We're still getting over. Oh my gosh. I was at this, you know, you and I both live in New York, go to bazillion like professional women's networking things and get up and introduce yourself. And this woman had a business where she was consulting, I think large companies about some of these issues about women and work. And, and she insisted in this room full of successful professional women, like She's like, yes, and I do this and that, and and I don't work for free. I I don't I let people know I don't work for free, and I'm like, 
yeah, no shit. You don't work for free. Like that was a conversation from 30 years ago. We're not giving away our money, but I, I was judging her, but women still struggle with this, yeah. this comfort yes. with being, I love making money. And I, that's a whole nother show, right? Talking about money, how much money yeah, are you making? Huge. How can you make more money? We right. talk about that a lot on this, you know, on the podcast, but also within my breadwinning women's community, because there is a lot to unpack emotionally there for how we've been socialized and how this topic has been stigmatized for us. I, I always remember there was a billboard downtown. I think it was a visa billboard um, where it said talking about money isn't feminine. And then it crossed out the NT. So it was like, is feminine? And I'm like, <clears throat> okay, I get it, but you're still perpetuating that point that I can't be feminine and I can't be, you know, uh, attractive or any of those things. If I'm talking about money, like where the hell did that message come from? That's insane. And, you know, I, we, we do a lot of work on this for, you know, compensation planning and discussions and salary negotiations, mm. because if we're not comfortable talking about those things, we don't share our salaries. We don't share our earnings with one another. If we're not being vocal and communicative about those things in casual conversations, we're certainly not going to be in critical conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it ties back to so much freedom and so much, um, you know, consideration of why this gap continues to remain and why, mm -hmm. you know, in some cases growing wider, particularly for women of color. And again, it's that like, we should just be grateful you're here. Right. Like there's kind of that right. message and you're like, what? You showed it's, up. So, it's so toxic. It's so toxic. Um, uh, yeah, it is. And it's, um, it's just not practical. Like you can't figure out what to charge or what kind of race to ask for to understand whether you're being compensated fairly. If you just don't sit down with whoever girlfriends, male friends, colleagues, and just share the numbers. Yeah. And it's, you know what it is. I think it goes back into these ancient messages to women, our value, our economic security was tied to our femininity, to our marriage ability and our fertility. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and right. Like dowries, like that whole mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Right. And, and in more recent times and very much alive to this day, I mean, in very, uh, look, you know, you and I are in our own little weird bubble of like feminists making money and being cool about it. Like that's weird in the world. And still most of this world, I mean, you just step outside New York city where you and I live into these expensive suburbs and being the stay at home mom is still the status symbol. Yes. And, and it's that is the norm. very much, yeah. and it is a status symbol because it suggests I was special enough. I was whatever, pretty enough, charming enough, manipulative enough to snag the rich guy. Mm. And that's, I mean, do you think that's a message that's being sent versus what these women are living? Like my, my, what's the difference? I mean, we, we become what we see, which is such an important part of this conversation because what are our children watching? Mm -hmm. If they don't see a dad just in the grind of figuring out how to get one kid here at three 30 and the other kid there at three 45. And meanwhile, figuring out how to be at work at until six, they will grow. And there's plenty of research. Like there is a amount of research you cannot argue with that unless kids grow up seeing equality or, and gender neutral norms, they will perpetuate it. 
Yeah. So what what you are living is what you're, you can talk all the talk to your kids about equality or equity, whatever, but if you're not living it, that is a lie. That's what they see. Yeah. What is, let's, let's, um, you mentioned before about how you, you know, married couples won't go to court to mandate 50, 50 parenting, but when you're going through the divorce proceedings, like what are, if, if we have some listeners who are, you know, we know this pandemic has been very hard on a lot of people. Mm. We know in particularly being holed up in your house all the time with your partner that you may not be happy with. Um, I would imagine we're going to see an uptick in in um, relationships that are looking to uh, potentially s- split. And so what would your advice be in terms of you know, both approaching the equal parenting conversation or even your experience having gone through the courts, right? Like, is that always the right path? Like, what is some of the the topics you discuss with your community there? All right. Well, first, let me just solidify this message. We keep getting distracted with this awesome conversation, but the, the what my life's work is, you know, I did that survey. I did this really great video. <laughs> Hope I can plug to sum this up. I'm working yes. on a book. We will and continue. The, the, we'll so have that work, link. Right. 50-50, equal rights, equal responsibility, divorce families as the missing link to gender gaps. So I'm sure everybody listening to this, if you're a parent, if it doesn't matter, you know a parent, the, the women are feeling overwhelmed. They feel like they go out and having increasingly success in this world, more money, more leadership, lots of super exciting progress in terms of gender equality for women, come home, do all the housework. They're pissed mm. about it. Almost mm-hmm. all of the media around this, all of the books, everything I'm reading, it's always highlighting married couples. You cannot legislate gender equality inside of the house of a married couple. Yet great corporations are promoting more maternity leave. We've more fly- all of these wonderful things. Say what you will about uh, Bill de Blasio, but he did uh, universal pre-K, which is like a giant, yeah. giant success for feminism and equality. All of these things are great. But at the end of the day, who is getting up in the middle of the night to clean the poopy butt? Who is? And it's women. And they're mad and there's nothing you can do about it. Wrong. There are 20 million single parent households in this country. Or single parent families, right? We're talking about... 16 million single moms. And that means there's about 16 million single dads. There are two, two parents, a quarter of all the kids in this country are raised by separated families. We can legislate 50, 50. The courts can say, Nope, it's 50, 50. And when the courts say it, whether you go to answer, I will answer your question about whether you lawyer up to go to court. It doesn't, most people aren't going to go to court, right? Most people will probably hire a lawyer or they do it themselves. If you're not married, you're most likely to hire a lawyer or go through any of that. Go to a mediator. It doesn't matter if we have that law in the books or there's many places in this country. I bet a lot of people listening to this are like, oh, well, 50-50 is the law in my state, but it is not. In Kentucky passed. There's one state with 50-50 law in the books. That's Kentucky for three years. There are many pockets in the country where that is the culture where the judges tend to rule that way. And then that influences the lawyer. So the, you go to a lawyer, you're getting divorced or you're getting separated or you're breaking up with your boyfriend and you're like, ah, what do I do? You call the lawyer and like, what, what, what happens? What happens now? You don't know. It's overwhelming and scary. And they're like, well, here, the judges would say 50-50. So just do 50-50 so you don't have to go to the courts. So people do that. And then that infiltrates the culture. And that's how societies change and grow and hopefully grow. So then you're like, then all of a sudden, all the moms around you that invariably get divorced sooner or later, uh, it just informs what's the norm. 
And so maybe your sister that lives in your hometown is like, oh, you're getting divorced. Well, take it for all he's worth it. You got to get a lawyer. You got to get all that alimony. And he needs to pay for you because, you know, he told you you're fat and you got to punish him for that. <laughs> and you're like, well, but that, that voice, it starts to be really quiet because you're looking around and you're like, oh, no, all these women are working and earning. They have half their time free. They all are dating. They look good. They just got on with it. And that looks pretty okay to me. I can, I can get yeah. on board with that. And it doesn't really matter because that's the law or the culture in my community. So sister with your toxic 1972 message back in my hometown, like that just starts to go away. And yeah. that's how we change culture. But it takes, it's a lot. We're asking people when you step into a divorce situation or you fantasize about it before you pull the plug or he pulls the plug, you, it's scary. It's horrifying. And what do you do? And when you're most vulnerable, you defer to what you know and what we know from our upbringings and from our culture and media and pop culture is this old message, which is really one of sexism and inequality. So we're really starting, we really need to be setting out a new path. So, you know, this is the work that I'm doing. It is, you know, I, I may become involved in policy work at some time. There is a lot of active work there. It's mostly frankly done by men who are very angry that of how unequal it is. They don't get a lot of work done. I mean, there's a reason they've been working at this for 40 years and there's one state with a good law. Um, I'm actually, I, and Kentucky, I mean, well, zero offense to any Kentuckians, but I just, that is not the state I would have expected to be the one where it is solidified in, in law. Well, that's a, that's a response I get often because I usually am talking to clones of myself who are progressive coastal feminists. So right. just a quick one. So this, this issue in our little, our little happy echo chamber. <laughs> yeah. First, but so this issue is actually polls very if, well, what's a poll, right? You can frame a question any way you want, but if we frame the question, do you believe that men and women should have equal access to their children? Who's going to argue with that? It right. polls great conservative, uh, liberal, men, women, left, right, coastal, rural, right? It doesn't matter, right? So, but historically this issue has been framed by conservative, mostly right-wing men who are really angry about how sexist family courts are. Mm. And and this is the reality. The, sex, the family courts are sexist in favor of women. Right. That's true. And and that is a stereotype, but I will give you my data point about why I do believe that women walk into separation and divorce feeling very confident they have the upper hand. One, they do, and they know it. So my business is all about SEO and affiliate. That's how I make my money. And so I'm very, all I do all day long is get on Google and all the tools about Google and figure out search volume and Google and keyword rank and all this stuff. And the terms, how do I know if my husband's ready for divorce versus how do I know if my wife is ready for divorce? Men are infinitely more worried that their wives are going to file for divorce. If we just look at keyword volume, search volume. And so, and right. And the women are Googling, like, how do I get child support? How do I get alimony? What's, you know, so it is very, the search profile very much mimics, uh, all these stereotypes. So yeah. back to why is, why is a conservative Mitch McConnell state, the one that has like, this is the most, because you and I are seeing this as a feminist gender equality issue, which I am right. so happy to hear because that's how I see it. But that's just one branding of it. That's just right. one branding of this issue. And it needs to be that branding because I see that feminist and progressive 
feminists like you and me that are increasingly in positions of power, we have the microphone right now. This is the moment. So let's jump on this and get shit done and keep this momentum going. Whereas up until, and to this day, conservative men are like, this is, feminism is ruining families. Mm-hmm. It's These ruining marriage. They're, and they're taking women. our children from us. Mm-hmm. And that's their experience. And the reality is that the system does take children from them. From, from that lens, it makes a lot more sense. Um, and that's really interesting because it, 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 you know, I do, I was joking before about the echo chamber, but we do have to stop ourselves in these conversations and recognize that there's a lot more at play than the view that we see, um, and a lot more at stake. And, and frankly, if there are a lot of men feeling, you know, disenfranchised by the way something's set up, frankly, with the way we have, you know, legislature set up now, they're more likely to get something done. But you alluded before that they're not getting much done. No, they don't. I mean, it's a it's a, a big, complicated, nuanced issue. But there's there's legislation in probably half states right now. You know that won't get passed. If, uh, equally shared parenting. And everyone's looking to Kentucky because it's been such a successful story. And it's a successful, not just because the law passed. That was three years ago. It's had, it had sort of like a temporary version and then went to full effect now. now. But over these last three years, the number of family court filings has gone down by 11%. Mm. So that while, and that is not adjusted for population growth, the state of Kentucky's population has grown. So that percentage is actually larger. So what that tells me is that people are like, there's nothing to fight for. So we're just going to do 50, 50 and get on with it already. Mm-hmm. So that's one part of the story. And then one of the um, often the opponents of equally shared parenting bills, which feeds into you know the conservative male narrative, is uh, domestic violence groups. So they'll come in and say, yeah, but the, if we have 50-50, that just gives uh, abusers more access to their victims. Now, look, we're talking about a presumption of equality. Mm. It's either there's a presumption of equality or there's a presumption of inequality. And there's always going to be exceptions. There's a thousand exceptions I can give you right now when 50-50 is not is not the answer. But those right. need to be the exceptions. And right. the burden, and that is, it's either you're equal until proven otherwise, or you're equal, right? right. Or or not. And then the argument might be, well, then, you, you know, everybody needs to approve that. They, well, that's the system that we have now. We have where dads, if they want equal time, they have to come in armed, with expensive lawyers, and they have to prove that they are dads, that they're not going to hurt their kids. Right. Do we right. screen so men like, right. before they like, like before you leave the hospital after a baby's born? No. no, you do not. These are their children, right? Yeah. And then that we get into the equity issues. I mean, who can afford? Very, very few people in this country can afford this kind of fight. And it's not just, oh, a lawyer going in and arguing. These often involve major psychological evaluations and background checks and bringing in employers. It's just insane. And nobody can afford that. Maybe some rich white guys can. You know who can't? Black dads. Right. Yeah. And, and then we get into the whole child support issue, which is a whole nother show, but this very linked. I just was interviewing um, a dad in uh, Massachusetts who's also a family lawyer. And so he's divorced. He has 50 50 and he advocates for 50 50 for his clients. But he says, look, in Massachusetts, the cultural standard here, not on the books, but the cultural standard in the state is 60 40. The kids with mom 60 percent and with dads 40. It's like the only it's only a few more nights a month 
to get to 50-50. And the only thing standing in the way is the person with the more nights gets the child support. So again, oh, we have God. we have institutionalized dependence. We have incentivized yeah. women to be primary caregivers so they get they get the reward of financial dependence. Congratulations. Right. right. So we really have to unwind and and there's and there's no such thing as free money. There's no such thing as free child child support. There is a price to be paid for that. I mean, there's a, there's this, you know, you're looking around you and you're like, oh, Bethany, look at her. She's awesome. She's making all this money, doing all this stuff. What am I doing? Spending my time fighting for a few hundred more bucks a month from this idiot who I'm not even sleeping with anymore. I hate him. And then that hate grows, right? You have this unfair thing between you and in your hearts, you both know it. it is so unfair and so wrong. And the fight the fighting that it ensues and the conflict and you can't co-parent, nobody can get on with their lives and you're stuck. Right. Right. It like it, that becomes the thing now, right? Like that's, I have a friend who shared with me, she's like, I never understood when people said I'm going through a divorce. Like she's in it, you know, and you really <laughs> feel every stage. And like, I feel like that becomes the thing. It's no longer about why we can't be together anymore. It's now like you're saying how, many times can I rake you over the coals? How many times can I make this painful? And it's so uh, just damaging because the whole family goes through it, especially the kids when they're at it. And so on and on, you know, there's our kids need more. They definitely need more than moms and they need more than their moms and their dads. They need their grandparents and their cousins and the neighbors and this network that, and that support, when my kids are loved by a network of people, that makes me feel supported and freed. I am freed from the pressure to give my kids more than I can never possibly give them. So what we need to change this narrative. So I, I didn't answer your question. If you're sitting around and just Googling like divorce in your state, like everybody else, because <laughs> becoming a search volume metric that I'm watching and making money from, <laughs> um, you know, I will urge you to find the least contentious path forward. That doesn't mean you don't need to call a lawyer. Call the lawyers and see. There's There are wonderful lawyers out there that want to help you get to the other side of this intact. But what decide what intact means. And that means, yeah. right, envision what that means. Find, find a divorced couple, separated couple that you admire, not just the closest one or your parents or whatever first comes to mind, but the people, you know, look, I don't even like my ex-husband. He's an idiot, but he is my kid's dad and they adore him. And I have known him for 20 years and I love him in my own way. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go on vacation with these people. Don't. That doesn't have to be the goal, like to hang out all the time. It's just that you both respect that these are both of your kids equally. Mm -hmm. You you split the time. Time is easy to split equally. Hopefully you split the money. Let go. If you're in a position that you think you can get alimony, don't, don't even touch it. It is so ridiculous. It is so anti-feminist. The essence of it is so contrary to anything that you want. If there's child support that you are entitled to, which in most states you are, you probably are, think very critically of that because why are you taking that man's money and what price do you have to pay to take it? Mm -hmm. You right. know, you have, you're incentivized now to earn as little as possible. 
are you, because it's these unconscious things that hold women back, right? We get out of the gate, we're graduating from college in equal numbers, we get hired in equal numbers and we have equal pay. Oh, but guess what? Now at the upper echelons, there's a huge gap. How does that happen? Women, yes, they drop out. That's something substantial and tangible, but it's these little unconscious things. We don't go for the promotion. We avoid, you know, staying late because then we got to argue with our dad or husband or our kid's dad or ex. And that's going to cause a little bit of conflict. And you want to bank the favor for another time because you want to go on the ski weekend with your boyfriend. Like all these little things that hold us back. And the next thing you know, there's giant gate gender gaps all over the place. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's little things like, oh, gosh, you know, if I get that raise, that means that it means the net at the end of the year might be lowered because it's my child support can be just, like you are so much better than that. As a gender, yeah. we are all better than that. And by you participating in this old messaging about what divorce is and what oh, being a woman is and a mother and a worker and an earner, you are making it worse for everybody. Right. You are holding yourself back at work and that's lessening the opportunities for other women. People are watching you. Your daughter's yeah. watching you. Your son, your sister who is thinking about leaving her husband is watching you. People that you don't like one of my favorite stories. This is my book and I've repeated this a hundred times, but it underscores this point. This woman was in my Facebook community and she's like, you know, I was in this miserable, toxic marriage, but I was so scared to leave. and I didn't think I could do it on my own, but there was this mom at the daycare and I, we didn't even know each other at all. I just, she was there, she dropped her kids off and I knew she was a single mom and she owned a hair salon in town. And she just always was like very put together. Her kids were really well behaved. She was very respectful of the childcare workers. And she ran this, you know, success, perfectly successful small business in our community. And she just gave me the confidence that I could do it too. Mm, and they that. never spoke. They weren't friends. Yeah. People are watching. And yeah. this is, and I am calling you, and especially if we are like white, high earning women in this world, you have an obligation to do better than finagling your life around child support or finagling for two more nights a month for so you can get the 50-50 and whether it's about money or just having the upper hand on him and showing him who's boss. Or, like you are better than that. And I, you have an obligation to the rest of us to do better. I, lo I love that concept that people are watching because it is so powerful for that woman who felt that she couldn't do it to see someone like her. And I'm sure that woman has her tough days too, like mm -hmm. all of us. Oh, hell yeah. But the fact that she showed like, and, and I feel like that's what you do with your work is you show the possibility. I mean, you mentioned that you were a stay at home mom when you got divorced and like, I, or and that you were pregnant. So I mean, I can't imagine more of a time where you would feel so dependent upon someone. Flash forward however many years it's been, 10, 10 or 12 years, and and where you're sitting now. It's like that that ability to rewrite the script that has been like force-fed to you of, of what this is going to look like and what you need to make your life, you know, kind of path B is so powerful. It's mm -hmm. so like and, – and it's – and it's such a um, it's such a challenge when there's not enough of the vocalizing that that you're doing and that I'm doing about how uh, how much wrong there is that we need to rewrite. Mm -hmm. You know, when you when you find these communities where you're like, okay, that's you're right. I'm I'm getting myself sucked into this thing that's not really the thing. Right, and it can be a process like this. <laughs> Mom, it was this. I found this to be. It was a compliment, but it was. It's it's a process, and it takes a long time. I have gone through the process, and I'm still learning things. You know, I think you know. I, 
uh, the voice of this movement. I like, and I still have conversations with women that challenge my assumptions about all this gender stuff, you know, and, um, but they was this mom, she, she's been part of this community for a long time now. And she said, you know, Emma, when I first got divorced, I just wasn't, there was a part of what I was saying in this community says and supports, I'm speaking specifically of this, it's called millionaire single moms, anybody can join it, but there's, I think 16,000 women in it. And it's all, it's just, you know, the rules are, you can't be bitching about your ex, you can't be figuring out how to like get more child support and you know you can't be trying to figure out how to get married as soon as possible it's just this positive empowering thing and there's women of all all income levels and education levels in there but it's really kind of i'm just trying to move these women along in this direction a little bit anyways his mom came in and she goes you know i found you i mean look she sought out this group for a reason but at the same time she wasn't quite ready for it and yeah. this is what she's saying to me she's like i wasn't ready for it and at one point i got so angry at you that I left but it just you know it but she was eventually ready for it and it and she eventually you know leaned into her work and let go of the child support and started dating in a new positive way that wasn't so full of shame like our children are see us date uh and uh and you know she 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 got on the path in a meaningful way it just took her some time so there was a that spoke to her truth initially even though she had to really really work through those old messages over years i mean we're talking about years of work yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think that's any, any personal journey. There's going to be times where you hear a message that you're not ready for, or you could fundamentally disagree with it, but there's still a notion of, you know, when you talk about policies, when you talk about, you know, generations of arrangements that have become the norm, like no one can argue those. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, and, and I think knowing that, in many states, the norm, the cultural norm is this 50-50 will empower people to seek that out. And I, you know, I do think that there's this, it's, and I haven't been through it personally, obviously I have through my parents, but there's just this time where it's so emotionally charged that your reason is clouded, right? You're like, I said it before, you're kind of mm -hmm. going after this thing. That's no longer the thing. Um, and I do think once you get, you know, the lawyers involved and it just kind of starts to take on this life of its own. Um, and I've heard from so many of my friends that are years out from their divorce, if they could like have gone back and had some of like the, the, perspective or peace of mind that they have now that they would have approached things differently? Like, what would you say to yourself? You know, cause it sounds like the equal parenting thing you just shared was very recent. What would you say to yourself in those beginning stages that you wished you had, you know, kind of approached differently or had more perspective on? Yeah, I think, uh... I, I want, wish that that had been the immediate goal is total equality. Um, because I was wrapped up in that anger and, and the craziness of it. Um, you know, I, 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 so part of my story is that my ex-husband had a traumatic brain injury for very soon before my divorce. So, you know, my story for better or worse has all the elements of like every single kind of scenario. So unequal parenting time was very appropriate for my family for mm -hmm. a number of years. 
Um, and he has had a miraculous recovery where he can do 50, 50. I mean, he's now, he works a very intense job. He's remarried to a nice person. So it, it has become all those things. And, um, and that is a big message just because how things are now is not how they have to be. So a yeah. lot of the, the narrative around what divorce arrangements, childcare arrangements after, um, uh, after divorce, it's like, well, I was a primary care parent now, so I should always be for like the next 20 years. You know, he didn't do his share. Well, that doesn't mean that he can't do his share. I mean, there's also right. research around that men become better, more involved, more confident parents after the divorce. And you talk to those dads and they will tell you, as they tell me, they're like, well, I didn't have her over hovering over me, criticizing me all the time. Right mm -hmm. now, I, okay, I screwed up and the kid got banged his head or I snapped and yelled at the kid and I have to figure it out. And that's how you grow and learn. Yeah. As do we all. I mean, that's, I tell my kids this, I'm like, parenting is the biggest joke in the world because it's like the most important job, but you figure it out as you go along. You only learn how to do it after it's already done. It's so stupid. Um, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> that is so true. It's like, okay, I learned that, but now what? Like that phase of your child is done. I have to go start again. So, you know, so it's like it and, 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 and I hate to dwell on these because these are the outliers, but when there are extreme situations, somebody is struggling with an addiction, people go into recovery successfully every single day. Mm -hmm. And the risk of having a child with a abusing parent is scary, but look at the statistics about child or fatherless children, which is a huge portion of our population and it is devastating. We are talking about increased rates of incarceration, addiction problems, early sex and teen pregnancy, lifelong employment and mm -hmm. relationship issues, and on and on and on. Again, this brings us back to the critical role that fathers play that we are not paying attention to. Right. So while even if when there are legitimate things, brain injuries, mental health issues, one, I just heard statistic, one in five adults in the United States live with a mental health issue. That doesn't mean that they don't have rights to their children or have rights to meaningful time with their children. Most people, right. their, their mental health issues can be managed with therapy and reasonable sums of prescription drugs or right. exercise and fresh air, they're manageable. Right. So why are we wielding these very human, why are we taking the humanity out of each other just because we're not living with each other? A minute ago, you were more than happy to go to the gym, go to work, and the kids are home with the dad when you're married, but now you're divorced and they're a threat to their lives? Right. Because they have too many beers or because they have been diagnosed with depression? Well, that was fine a minute ago when you were living together, but now it's not. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure what I like about your story and your perspective is that there's moments where there's there's you have to weigh the risks of your situation. But what you're saying is those are the outliers, whereas right now the standard is unequal. And let's flip the script. Let's have the standard be equal and the outliers be the ones that we Thank need you. to discuss and focus on. Wonderfully said. That's very well said. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's a yeah. presumption of equality. Isn't that what we all want? Right. Yes. You don't need to be extra super special to get a job, women, right? It's just a presumption that you're considered for the job on equal footing. Yeah. Men are asking to be considered. We are we are collectively, women are asking for now, you and I, Bethany and our colleagues here, our comrades, are collectively asking for men and women to be considered equally in parenting. Yep. I I mean it 
seems so sensical. And honestly, it seems if I if I were going to be a, a single mother, like I would want that time. I would want that time to be able to focus on my career so that I could continue to provide a life that I want to provide. I would want to spend that time on reinventing myself as an individual and as as a woman and hopefully finding a new relationship. You know, there's all those things where, you know, time is the the essence of freedom and value. And it doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, we're all living this now with our kids being home from school and, you know, the times that they're not in school are actually so critical or the times that they are in school, so critical to their growth, right? They need to figure out different inputs. They need to figure out different scenarios when you're not there to clear the path for them. Mm. And, and that comes to parenting too, right? How do you go into different dynamics of, you know, authority or leadership or discipline? And how do you react in those? Because my guess is, if you weren't getting along inside the house, when you have two separate households, those households are going to run very differently, right? Mm -hmm. And that's an adaptation that children can learn from. So there are like a ton of benefits. There can be, there absolutely can be. And it's, there's like, I mean, I could see it in my family and other families I know where the spheres of love grow. You know, mm -hmm. it's like my kid's stepmom is somebody they love very much and loves them. And she has her own network of family and friends who become positive parts of their lives. And I have a boyfriend who has his own network of family and friends. And, and it's, you know, it, there, it, it has stresses. It's hard for them to go back and forth. I miss them. Their dad misses them when they're with the other parent scheduling is there. Like we fight sometimes, but a lot less than, than if we were married, I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's perfect. But why, but that's a whole nother issue. Why we have to get over. I'm just reading this great. It's a few years old. All joy, no fun. Jennifer senior. Oh, get I love that book. Yeah. So important. It's like, get over this idea that we can and should micro engineer our children's perfect childhoods. No, it, just let, you know, it's, um, it's really giving ourselves the freedom. It's really giving ourselves the freedom. Yeah. To, and to I feel like, imperfection. yeah. And it's character building. I mean, you know, it's just like, yeah, like your life in many ways is not a struggle. You have shelter, you have food, you have education, yes. you have plenty of extracurriculars and toys and all that stuff. Like, so we're, we're on the struggle bus when mommy loses her shit every now and again. Okay. <laughs> the struggle bus. You know, this, okay. yeah, this, I know this mom called me and I mean, she, she was just figuring it out. She was pretty recently divorced like a year or two and her kids were two boys and they were teenagers. So she had a house, uh, and the kids had their own bedroom, but their dad lived, um, in an apartment. So the kids, teenagers shared a room and, and I think the dad was like, maybe not like giving them a lot of freedom or whatever, but it, you know, it was 50, 50. And she was saying like, I really am struggling with it because the kids just don't want to go to their dads. You know, they don't have privacy. Mm -hmm. They don't get to go out as much. And I can just see their soul is happy at their dad's house. And she was trying to do the right thing, you know, but your kids are there and they're miserable and you love them and you're human and you're a mom and it's just human. And she was asking my advice and I'm like, look, you know, I mean, first cry me a river. They have to share a room, you know, like, right we're so spoiled collectively so many of us and the other thing is just like this is this is their dad this is their relationship with their dad that they are going to have for the rest of their lives and they have to figure out how to manage that yeah and also and, kids are smart and we will pit the one divorced parent against the true. other divorced parent all the time Trust true me, I, true story remember several of you know from the 
most meaningless, like dad didn't buy the right bread. Like I'm going to cry myself to sleep now to like very significant (laughs) moments of that's it. I'm living with him for three months. Um, but listen, you have, so you have a best-selling book, the kick-ass single mom, be financially independent, discover your sexiest self and raise fabulous, happy children. Sounds like you might be working on more projects up to come. Uh, you have your phenomenal platform, wealthysinglemommy.com. Am I missing any other ways that, that our listeners could engage with you and, and learn more about what you're up to? Yeah. I mean, Twitter, uh, Johnson, Emma, and then Instagram is the Johnson, Emma. So I'm not hard to find. I don't think. Okay. I will link to both of those when we post this episode, but you have given us so much to, to think about and to ponder and to question. Um, I hope that for some of our listeners who are in these situations or thinking about starting to be in those situations that you've given them a moment to think about kind of what, what the end goal is versus the moments they're in now. Um, mm. I think that's really a great perspective. Um, and so many of our male listeners to understand what they should be asking for, what they should be stepping up to and and what their losses are in this. So thank you so much for all the work that you do and all these wonderful statistics and, and, you know, the, the surveys and stuff, because I do think the more we bring data to light, the more obvious these conversations become. So thank you for being a part of that. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, this is wonderful conversation, but just this work that you're doing at Google, outside of Google, it is, these are all the stitches that we are working on to change to make these help help women make the critical changes that we all need and benefit from. Yeah, and help them to see the path that we wished we had when we embarked on these scenarios ourselves. Yep. <laughs> all right, Emma, thank you so much. Don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. And please leave a review to give us direct feedback and also to get the podcast in front of more eyes. It's very much appreciated.